if you're stuck in the past in this greed mentality and not necessarily giving back to the people who are actually helping to support your business, then you won't be in business for very long. Hey everyone, how's it going? On today's show, we have a very wonderful guest that is all about human beauty, which is a different way of thinking about beauty that you may not have thought of. And this guest is Jennifer Norman, who is the founder of the Human Beauty Movement, or HBM. And she's doing some very unique things in terms of how she's building a business. She actually has a B Corp. So we'll learn a little bit about what a B Corp is and how Jennifer is changing the game. Robin, it's so wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about the human beauty movement, what you're doing and where you're at. Absolutely. The human beauty movement is a business that I started um, two years ago and I wanted to make a difference in the beauty industry and do things differently than what had been done before. Before, when I was in this 20-year career of working for bigger companies and mid-sized companies and then even startups, I noticed that there was such a profound fascination on profits at any cost. And the thing that was happening was that there was a lot of dysfunctional decisions being made because everything was always driven by what are we going to do to make more money or have more growth than we did last year or the last quarter or how can we anniversary a new product launch in a bigger and better way how can we buy how can we get people to buy more products sooner and continue to add to that get what was troubling about this kind of psychology was it was creating so much churn in the environment. It was creating an awful lot of waste and it was causing people to have this kind of obsessive compulsive mentality in terms of buying beauty and just thinking that they had to have the latest or whatnot to to feel complete or to feel that they were, you know, going to be accepted by the people that were in their social group. And so in doing things differently, I really wanted to stand for a few different things. One is radical inclusive. What I was finding is that beauty had tended to be exclusive. It was usually about the supermodels or how wealthy that you, you could display your, your what you had from fashion designers and, and things that you bought. And it wasn't necessarily thinking about the everyday person. And so that would really cause a lot of people to feel lack. I wanted to make sure that my business was fundamentally based on radical inclusivity, so no matter what kind of race, what your gender, what background you have, what your skin color is, who you love, doesn't matter to me. It really just was that you are important and beauty is for you. The second thing is about true holistic wellness, not using wellness as a cliche, buy this protein shake or buy this pill. Really, how can we establish our messaging as well as our products to deliver really wholesome ingredients, really great messaging that is building and supportive of somebody's self-esteem and self-love. And then the last thing that I really wanted to make sure that I was focusing on was ecological sustainability. Because I was finding that too many beauty products were being packaged in plastic. There was a whole lot of waste and we were just contributing to a lot of toxicity in the environment. So radical inclusivity, holistic wellness, and sustainability are really the ways that I wanted to be able to found my business and really hold myself accountable. 
And so one of the ways that I was, I, I just knew that I wanted to hold myself accountable was becoming a B Corp, as you were mentioning in the opening, because being a B Corp is really the gold standard of social and environmental impact. And so I knew that developing my core processes, as well as how I was aligning all of my stakeholders in my business was very important to fundamentally creating an economy that was built on conscious capitalism and not just growth at any cost. Interesting. Explain this concept of conscious capitalism. Absolutely. The whole idea is that before, when you think about the difference between for-profit business and non-profit business and then government support, what we know is that the government and nonprofits are not going to solve the world's problems unto themselves. There's just way too much going on. The government and nonprofits don't, frankly, have enough money or attention and they're way too slow to act. And so the idea of conscious capitalism really says it is up to the private sector, it's up to the for profit business to manage themselves in a way that is going to act as a force for good to make sure that they are really honoring people and the planet, not just for short-term gains, but for the long run. And so it really thinks about things beyond what your next profit cycle is going to be. It really takes into consideration everything from all of your fundamental philosophies, from how you are driven as a purpose-driven and mission-driven company, to the decisions that you're making and making sure that everything that you're doing along the way is set up mindfully or consciously, but also in the spirit of driving the economy from a capitalistic standpoint. Because capitalism unto itself is not a bad thing. Unfortunately, it just becomes a bad thing when it's used as a device for greed and for these businesses that are taking advantage of not only the marketplace, but also, frankly, sometimes their employees, where you see unfair labor practices and things like that. And so things like making sure that everybody has a fair wage. In some cases, some conscious capitalistic companies are actually creating ceilings for how much the CEO makes versus the, the person who makes the very the least in the company. And there can never be like a more than an eight times multiple, for example. And so that prevents the CEO from, you know, hoarding millions and billions of dollars, for example. And rather, there is an encouragement to give back and have profit sharing for employees. Things like that, I think, from your podcast perspective and thinking about ways that new entrepreneurs can really start up and think about all of the different aspects of how they're setting up their business, what kind of policies that they're putting into place, really is going to make a difference to ensure that people are going to be voting with their dollars and more and more people are. They're voting by their values and they want good businesses to succeed. And so if you're stuck in the past in this greed mentality and not necessarily giving back to the people who are actually helping to support your business, then you won't be in business for very long. I 100% agree with that. And then one of the things that actually resonated with me is you actually said capitalism isn't a bad thing, right? So I am I am 100% a capitalist, but I have the same view as you do, because when you look at capitalism and you're looking at different time frames, this is where it could be a good or a bad thing. If you're looking at it from a very long-term perspective, then 
you know, the more people that are better off, the more people there are to buy into your products, the more happiness you can put out into the world, whether that's through your employees or through the customers, then it just starts raising the floor and it starts increasing the size of the pie for everyone. But when you have these investors, for example, I think founders, they think very differently, right? Founders are very impact driven. We see some kind of inequity, some injustice, some inefficiency in the world. We want to solve this problem. But investors, they think very short term. They're only thinking about the language of ROI. And for investors, it's all about, I, I like to think about Russ Hanneman from the show Silicon Valley. It's all about the cars with the doors that go up. And they think it's short term profits. Like they want to extract as much value from you as possible because they just want that extra comma in their bank account, um, et cetera. And they're not thinking about this long-term vision that founders like you are, are really doing. True, true. And not all founders are like, not all investors are like, there are more conscientious investors that are looking for purpose-driven companies because they know they're, they're caught on to the fact that they also want good businesses to succeed and they're willing to be patient. And they know that, for example, if you invest in solar or, or alternative energy, it might not have really paid off earlier on 10, 20 years ago. But certainly people recognize the need and frankly, the crisis that we're in because of the way that business had been run before. And yeah, I think that a lot of entrepreneurship is wonderful. The creative aspects of it, the innovation, the, the sheer will of creating something from nothing is something to be commended of me and about and everybody especially why I'm in the United States for anybody who's listening internationally it's really this wonderful opportunity to make the life that you really want to make and so that's the beautiful thing about capitalism is that anybody can succeed and anybody can have a chance and but the real core thing that everybody has to go and search within is that the striving for dollars is not the answer the striving just to have more wealth is not the is not the answer because truly what happens is that we are an environment and we are a universe that is fundamentally made of energy and so when everybody sees that you and your company are absorbing all this energy it's going to collapse upon itself over time and so truly if you fund fundamentally have an intent that is set on love and kindness and caring and doing a service for others or creating products that really solve a problem and meet a need and continue to put the customer first and put your employees first and think about who your suppliers are and create your own ecosystem of goodness where everything is just building upon each other, then capitalism can truly work. It can self-generate into something that is so positive rather than this thing where everybody is dreading big business, Steve. Yeah, that's definitely a feeling. And, and one of the things that you actually mentioned a little bit earlier is how people are actually buying on values. And I noticed on your Instagram account, you made your values very clear. It was like wellness, kindness, and trust. There was another one. I think it started with an I. I can't remember it. Inspiration. You're right. Um, tell me a little bit more about how these values are actually uh, guiding your business and how you're able to bring customers into your community through these values. Yeah, certainly having been in the beauty industry before, which was so egocentric, if you think about it, because it seemed like everything was all about the superficial. I really did a deep dive more recently because I was feeling unfulfilled. I was finding that what I was doing every day, turning in and out, getting up every day and, and doing things. There, there were aspects of what I did that I absolutely loved. But ultimately, I think that a lot of people can relate to this sense of hollowness, which is a sense that what they're doing with most of the 
time during their day in their work in their in their employment really wasn't in alignment with what they really wanted to stand for inside and so after a while and doing a whole lot of meditating I discovered that my life and the reason why I am put on this earth is to be a vessel of compassion and to be able to explain on podcasts like this the importance of compassion, not just for other people, but for everybody unto themselves. Because a lot of times we are our own worst enemies, we are our own worst critics. That ultimately is one of those energies that keeps us diminished and keeps us down. We don't think that we can do it. We don't think we're smart enough. We don't think we're pretty enough. We don't think that we're wealthy enough. We don't think that we have what it takes to be where we want to be. And that is just false truth. It's not true. And it's something that is a limiting belief that if we could have more compassion for ourselves and self-love and understand this this idea of self-acceptance, then it's as if the shackles are being like completely just bursting off of us and we are free and liberated to, to live the life that we want to. And so when I think about compassion, I think about first being, a, I first think about the sense of fulfillment that I have always gotten whenever I'm able to pass on something that is inspiring or something, even if it's a token of appreciation or even a gesture of goodwill or even an attaboy. If somebody does a really great job at what they're doing and as an employee or what have you, how gratifying that is and that sense of joy and 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 delight and and that fire that it gives somebody to want to pass that on. And so that the idea of kindness and of caring and of inspiration to me just felt like it was just that whole idea of that fire that was going to light my motivation. And of course, you can't really do that unless somebody really trusts that you're going to do right with what you have. And I'm very transparent and open about how I operate and what I stand for. And so if people can trust that I am going to be a good steward for themselves, for their health, for their wellness, for their well-being, try to give them positive information as possible, make great products that are going to, to really help them to live their best life, then that trust will only help to really help to spread out for people to want to exercise the business. And yeah, those are the things, the wellness, the kindness, the inspiration, and the trust that are like those four pillars and those values that kind of are the rubric or like the foundation upon which my business is built. And then on there, on top of that, everything is stacked up. All right. Amazing. And and that's that's so important because there's been countless amount of studies that says a company or an organization, they really have to know their core values and not just fluff that they put on a mission statement website, like really know it just as well as you did Mm -hmm. for it to be successful. And it, it sounds like you're like already automatically that very strong path. What are you doing right now to start bringing in customers on this platform that you're building to get your message out? Sure. Right now with the human beauty movement, that is a platform where I'm able to convey this inspiration and this message and to display the values of radical inclusivity and whatnot. And then from there, I wanted to create a brand or some physical manifestation of those values. And so I launched a skincare brand called Humanist Beauty 
which is 100% natural, all vegan. It's cruelty-free leaping bunny, EWG, which is the environmental working group, which it's certified, which uh, means that it's among the safest consumer products that, that are out on the marketplace. And it's also loaded with incredible things like full-spectrum whole hemp CBD and other super antioxidants and things like that. And it also has a zero waste program affiliated to it so that we actually take back packaging and make sure that it is recycled mindfully because we know that the municipal um, recycling stream is, is system is broken right now. So from a fundamental aspect of doing operations and managing a brand, those are ways that people can opt into the values is by going over to humanistbeauty.com, taking a look at and, and seeing what products are there and then purchasing them as a way to incorporate a little bit of self-care into their daily meditative ritual. And the message behind Humanist Beauty is not buy our products because we're gonna make you cooler and more beautiful than anybody else. So it's really all about buy our products because they are really wonderful for you. And we make sure that we source the ingredients from a fair trade or well-crafted or organic perspective. And we're aligning the suppliers to make sure that they are vetted for conduct and that we are managing our waste stream environmentally conscientiously so again it's helping to support good businesses and beauty there are many others that are starting to crop up which is amazing and also the thing about humanist beauty is that we're not selfish we absolutely love to shine a light on other beauty brands because we believe that if other businesses are also doing a great job why not collaborate and support them so that we can all succeed. it's a brand and a business that does not believe in competition as because that's that whole idea of competition is based upon an, a mindset of lack and a mindset of scarcity which again is a limiting belief which is not true um, there's there's plenty of stuff to go around for everybody and there's plenty of success and there's plenty of the universe always provides to those that are that, that are in the right way we celebrate good business we celebrate good beauty brands we celebrate we celebrate great lifestyle brands and those that are really working to make a difference yes absolutely I'm, I'm so glad you said that because competition really is irrelevant once you start building businesses that are based around your core values, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the core values that you have are actually some of the core values that I immediately think of Tess, who is one of the founders that's in my accelerator program. She is building an etho, like an ethical bikini business. And it's mm -hmm. a similar thing, right? So she's starting to build this yeah. community and she understands that it's not really about the product, it's about the people. And it's about this relationship that you're building with the people. So mm -hmm. she is, she, through the first week in the program, she's starting to get traction, starting to bring customers into her thing. And she's not worried about selling to the around. There's a community, there's actually other people around that can, basically the value comes into the community and it's a community that's based around these core values that she's growing. And then if there is a competitor, this competitor will likely have, you know, slightly different values, slightly different than something, and they can actually share customers because they're not taking away from each other by sharing these people. And she understands that because she has this relationship that she's growing with her customers. And it's the same thing. Once you have that relationship, it's really difficult for people to take that person away from you. So it's like having friends. So if you have one friend, that it doesn't mean that friend does, can't have other friends. We can mm -hmm. all have friends and the more the merrier. So we're, it's like rising yeah. tides lift all boats. Exactly. And I was actually going to, you know, use that same exact quote, because it's so true that if we lift all if we lift each other up, and if we don't think 
in terms of somebody else and it's like a zero-sum game which was very much a, an old paradigm kind of a mindset then think about the energy and, and the liberation that you feel uh, like so much of my career in the past had been spent looking over my shoulder looking over what the competition is doing coming up with defense plans thinking about how we can incrementally beat them through a new claim or something that we were offering and ultimately it was just a little bit of a tit for tat it wasn't like let's just focus on being the best that we can be let's continue on our plan of how we were marching there's always inspiration to be had but do it from a, a, a place and a heart of this is going to make things so much better it's not that I want to try to destroy the competition it's just that I'm putting out the best product that I can and if there are ways that I can innovate and do things even better than before and others take inspiration from what you're doing too then that's wonderful as long as you feel like you're not copying somebody else blatantly because that just diminishes value if you're continuing to add value and to resonate with your core customer and deliver on the promises and the messages and the the emotional connection that you have with your base and grow that from a place that's like a cult-like following so that grows organically from there then you'll be fine you'll be you'll be set a lot of people they get impatient and I know that there is such a temptation to bring on investors early on so that you can scale more quickly and I chose not to to go that route and so that, that brings on a whole other interesting set of questions and, and discussion. I think that route is the way to go because that whole investor route to me is like the old world, it's the antiquated world because what we needed investors for is to get our products in front of customers. And this is usually where a lot of founders fail is because they will try to test for product market fit and they will realize that they built something that people don't even want to buy. But the thing about the entire venture building industry, it's changed. Yeah. It's not the 1800s anymore. It's what happened. <laughs> It's like what happened with the music industry before, yeah. you know, if you wanted to have a national record out, you would have to have a million dollar record deal because you need the distribution mm -hmm. networks, the manufacturing capacity, the street teams, all this. But now you can just pop open your iPhone, record your entire um, album and then release it on Spotify the very next time. Worldwide distribution, you don't need all these other people anymore. So it's like empowering founders to be able to build businesses in the way that they want to build business. Jennifer, where do you see your company 12 months from now? I definitely see, we, we're just at the very beginning. The human beauty movement is only two years old. Humanist beauty as a brand is less than a year old. So we're just getting started. And also with COVID having happened in between all of that, it definitely did cause a lot of moments of pause and really thinking about how does this shift things in terms of the way that the people are absorbing messages and how they're buying and whatnot. And we are, or you know, we're definitely seeing that the idea of slow beauty is okay. Like I don't anticipate growing a thousand percent over the next 12 months. I, I see launching a few more products, absolutely, that are absolutely incredible and I can't wait for them to hit the market. I also do see an expansion of the human beauty movement to be more of a platform that focuses on diversity in a more meaningful way. And, and we're still a little bit early with that, so I can't divulge too much, but it's really establishing our, our place as being an authority when it comes to being recognized for celebrating diversity in particular.
I see us, you know, continuing to grow in a well-managed way. Right now, I'm the business is completely self-funded because I, to your point earlier, I, I felt that, and I, I certainly did explore the idea of bringing on investors and angel seeds and things like that, but it ultimately didn't feel right because I felt that if I had the wherewithal to do what I did as an entrepreneur, why wouldn't I want to be able to make the vision completely my own without the distraction of feeling like I had to be beholden to an investor that might be just looking for dollars or need reports, which take time to put together and all that. So I really wanted to fundamentally just stay on track with the vision and the purpose and the mission of the business so that it could be as true to what my vision and, and the intent of it was and would be able to be as strong as possible from an emotional connection standpoint and from how it's showing up in the world so yeah yeah absolutely that's the game right like you want to make your audience happy not the investors you want to deliver value for your people that's the people who are going to keep your company alive not the investors mm -hmm. and that's like mm -hmm. just switching that mind shift over to the people that are actually buying your product instead of people that are um, so supposedly going to help you launch your product. Where yeah. I was going to say, interestingly enough, I actually was just on a pilot for a, a reality TV show called The Next Beauty Billionaire. And I'm thinking about people and their attraction to things like a millionaire startup or a billion, next billion beauty billionaire, or billions and millions and all of that. And whereas a lot of people do associate that with dollars, I actually like to think about being a billionaire or a millionaire or what have you from the perspective of like how many people that you are really impacting with your message or your products. Like you could be impacting those people and thinking beyond the dollars again and thinking about what your impact is going to be on making people's lives better and more fulfilled, I think is really a, a healthier mindset of how to be a business person and to think about what kind of responsibility that you do have for everybody that you and your products are touching. So just wanted to throw that out there. No, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's actually the, the name of this podcast. It's supposed to yep. be a little play on because it's like we say startup millions and then it's how you think about that word million is what we're trying to change. So yep. if I say startup millions, a lot of people think money, but is yep. it really? Exactly. Or could it be a million lives? Mm -hmm. So that's... Yeah, it's like a little Easter egg kind of thing. Jennifer, with all that you've accomplished, what are what are some challenges that you're facing in your business right now? Yeah, I a lot of people are like, oh, your successes or your accomplishments. And I try to remain very humble and realistic about that because I do think that you can't necessarily gloat or you can't necessarily think about, look at all the great things that I have done. I think that there's, I'm always looking forward and I'm thinking in the now and always thinking about forward, like what more can I do to serve? What more can I do to be of service to other people around the world with either a message or a product or how I conduct myself to be a sense of inspiration for others and I and I challenge everybody else to also think that way as an entrepreneur is don't success comes with a whole lot of failure it comes with a whole lot of journeying and just enjoy it think about it as practice I think about you're, you're never going to hit a home run on your first try it takes practice and that's what it is being an entrepreneur you're going to try things you're going to stumble you're going to learn from it I always call it like let's try to fail as fast as possible 
or utilize the wonderful people that you come across in your network and glean as many learnings as you can, as well as share your own learnings with others so that we can build each other up. And that's how we're learning faster. And that's how technology is advancing at such a rapid rate these days is because the amount of learning is, and, and the amount of knowledge is just so exponential now more than ever. Who would have ever thought that just like regular people would be going and shooting themselves up in rockets in space? Yeah. <laughs> but truly, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just imagine. 10 years from now, because 40 years from now, yeah. It's brilliant. It's absolutely an exciting um, time to be alive. Yeah, and I was excited to see the first flying car actually being tested. Yeah, we're we're finally hitting into the place where we're all going to be flying around instead of driving in our petroleum-based Uber taxis. The, the, was this like the flying Uber tech? I, don't, I cannot remember who actually developed this particular model, but I remember seeing a news brief on it on the New York Times. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I actually wonder like how much of this is like the Titanic happening in present. So when Bezos <laughs> and Branson were going up on space, like how much of it is could that. be the Titanic? Yeah, yeah. Jennifer, this interview has been really fun. Where can people learn more about you, about the human beauty movement? How can people get them? Sure. The human beauty movement can be found online. You can learn about the company and everything that we stand for at v-hbm.com. Or you can just Google human beauty movements and you'll find it. And then humanist beauty, also the website and all of the handles on social, you can pretty much find it by just typing in humanist beauty. I myself am very active on social and you can find me at I am Jen Norman pretty much anywhere. All right. I'm going to give you the last word. Is there any takeaways that you would want other founders to any kind of message takeaways that you would want them to leave with? Yes, I want everybody to know that they are responsible for their own happiness. Ultimately, before I know that there used to be this whole idea of work ethic and how many hours are you putting in and whatnot. And now I think that the the paradigm has shifted to how few hours can I put in and what kind of quality of life can I have while also making the the living that, that I need in order to be comfortable and take care of all of my needs but live a life that truly lights you up and brings you joy because that I think is the true source of beauty. I think everybody is beautiful. Everybody has happiness. It might just be a little bit buried. If you chip away at all of those layers that are those limiting beliefs and those restrictions that you're putting on yourself, then you know your joy can flourish and you will be able to accomplish anything that you want in life. I love that so much. As soon as you said that beauty was happiness and I just thought of all all these smiling faces and it's like how can anyone be not beautiful when they're smiling so that's amazing thank you so much Jennifer Hey guys, this is Robert Copernicus wanting to talk about a few special things I have going on right now. One of the most difficult problems founders hope to solve is to get traction for their startup. VCs won't even look at Pistex anymore without this crucial element. But why is getting traction so hard? Getting your first 100 customers should not be difficult. If you want 100 signups for your startup in 30 days or less before you even launch your MVP, check out my book, Minimal Viable Mockup at minimalviablemockup.com or at mbmbook.com. And if you want a hands-on bootcamp to help you get to 100 customers and build out a high converting sales funnel, learn more about the three-hour Minimal Viable Mockup bootcamp at mbmbootcamp.com. And finally, if you are 
a serial founder with a successful business generating six or seven figures in revenue and scared you can lose it all at any moment, book a call with me and my team at launchwithrobin.com to learn how you can launch your next startup with our operating system that helps you build an empire so you never have to worry about pivoting again. Again, those links are mvmbook.com, mvmbootcamp.com, and launchwithrobin.com.